Do you hear that sound? That is the sound of the waves crashing against a bay, but not just any bay. It's a bay watch because this is a Baywatch podcast. In fact, this is Baywatch Rookie School, a podcast where two men who have never watched Baywatch before try and watch Baywatch. I'm Michael Eisen. And I'm Morgan Thrapp. And Michael, I was thinking, when when do you feel like we should drop the part about us never having watched Baywatch before? Because, like, we have seen an entire season now. I think we keep it for a little bit longer, but... I mean... Can we really say we've never seen it at this point? Yeah, because, I mean, we haven't seen Pam Anderson, so we clearly haven't seen Baywatch. And until I see Jason Momoa, I'm not convinced that this show exists. And that's like another nine seasons from now. Oh, that is a very good point. All right, then, yeah, we're keeping it in. And absolutely, until we watch the post-Baywatch movie, The Baywatch Wedding... (laughs) (laughs) The post-Baywatch movie, you can keep that in. The Baywatch (laughs) Wedding Reunion movie, we haven't watched Baywatch. That's true. That's true. So, Morgan, we are currently on part two of a two-parter called Nightmare Bay. Ooh, spooky. Ooh. So this is season two, episode two. Let's talk about this. So just like last episode, this was written by Michael Burke and Douglas Schwartz, directed by Gregory J. Bonin, and this was aired December 14th, 1991. Now, this is one and two in the canon of the series, but it was aired out of continuity. So that's why it's December 14th, 1991. Mm. So first thing to note, On this season of Baywatch, there are going to be some less than stellar topics. Yeah. While we like this show, we're not going to shy away from the fact that many of these are horrendously handled in the 90s, not exclusive Mm -hmm. to this TV show alone. And we will continue to address these issues as they come up. When we started this show, we came into it already expecting that we would encounter issues such as these. So this is not taking us by surprise at all. Yeah, that's definitely true. I'm honestly amazed that it took as long as it did for them to get uh, as racist as they did in part one of this episode. Well, just you wait. Uh, But also, like, there, not to give it that much credit, but there are shows that have gotten to it faster. Um, Sure. So, but, so, good job, Baywatch. Um, (laughs) So, of note, You know, in this episode, we're talking about a few things. You know, Hobie has been replaced with an alternate universe younger Hobie at who is age 10 instead of Mm -hmm. age 14. I suspect this plays into my JoJo's Bizarre Adventure cross Baywatch crossover. Um, That will not be that important for later. Um, Fun facts. Albert Stratton, who plays Shawnee's dad in this episode, portrayed Monty Markham, a.k.a. Captain Thorpe's right-hand man Paul Drake on Monty Markham's 1970s remake series, The New Perry Mason. So that's a connection. Oh. Um, Also of note in this episode, there is a song called Current of Love, which is performed by David Hasselhoff, which is crazy. Um, Something we did not note last episode is that Baywatch now has new production companies. So at the end of season one, season one really ultimately ended uh, and the show itself was going to end because GTG, which was their production company, was going out of business. Baywatch is now produced by two companies, the Baywatch Production Company 
and Tower 12 Productions. Tower Hmm. 12 may be a reference to the towers on Baywatch, but it may also be a reference to MGM Animation and Visual Arts, who went defunct in 1970, and their original name was Sib Tower 12 Productions. So it could be a bit of a play on that. Oh, interesting. I had no idea. Yeah. Uh, But MGM Animation and Visual Arts was only around for like 14 years, I think, or or something um, as a name. Uh, And it was only MGM Animation and Visual Arts for like two of that, I think. So uh, it might be it might be a reference to that. Uh, It kind of a nerdy film reference. Um, I was able to discover in my research of that a list of trademarks filed by the Baywatch production company, which we will listen to show notes. There's some crazy stuff in there. Wacky, wavy, inflatable, arm flailing tube bin, uh, <laughs> baby food, uh, yeah. games. You sent me this list, and the baby food is definitely the one that stuck out to me. And I do wish that they had manufactured that because I think that is delightful. <laughs> right? Um, they also have all sorts of like shampoos and sunblocks and plastic forks and plastic spoons and plastic knives. All sorts of stuff that you would see trademarked for a TV show. Um, But some of the stuff there, I'm just like, I'm so curious to see uh, where this stuff is. I also want to start a new segment here on this podcast that we're only going to do on two-parter episodes, which is called Last Time on Baywatch. So here's a a short, short uh, refresher on what happened last time on Baywatch. Are you ready, Morgan? I'm so ready. So, Morgan, there were some ooky spookies in the deep, dark, mm-hmm. blueski, brother. It's a willin' <laughs> and it's a killin'. Mitch is a frownin' and he's a drownin' in bad publicity. He saved a woman. She's seen <laughs> huh. some sights. Surely her trauma will not be taken advantage of one warm night. To save face, Baywatch has handled race. It was tasteless and it was baseless. The payoff is way off. Don't trust the print media, for they are spurned. Unless your name is Pamela Bach Hasselhoff, is what we have learned. Will Mitch become captain? That's the career goal. Captain Thorpe is moving up, but he's still an a-hole. <laughs> Our last episode ended with a boat in danger. We didn't like it much. Let's see if part two is a changer. Thank you. That was amazing. You're welcome. I am very impressed. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it took it took a lot of creative juice to figure out it's a willin' and it's a killin' and Mitch is a frownin' and a drownin' in bad <laughs> Yeah, those are some impressive rhymes right there. I know. Some have called me a rhyme master. <laughs> but As well they should. Mm, probably not, but... Uh, Morgan, let's take us into this episode. Yeah, let's do it. So, yeah, like you mentioned in your recap, uh, we had a boat in danger at the end of last episode, and we start with getting to see that boat and see what's happening to it. Um, specifically, everyone is jumping off of it. Yeah. And the Baywatch is on their way. And the crew is trying to decide, do we run away or do we swim back to shore? Do we stay here to wait for the Baywatch to rescue us? And like, personally, I would think you would stay there where your location is known and you're not swimming into the open ocean. But, you know, what do I know? (laughs) I mean, we're just two rookie amateur Baywatch aficionados. We don't know anything. 
It's true. It's true. We haven't even studied a single bit of wave dynamics. <laughs> Is dynamics <laughs> the right word here? I don't know. It sounded sciency. I think that's the not the correct area of science, but okay. <laughs> it's, you know, it's related to fluid dynamics. Oh, okay. Sh- sure, sure, sure. <laughs> Lifeguard dynamics. Do the- mm-hmm. I, there's like 50 million jokes and I can't pick out my favorite one here. <laughs> <laughs> um, next, we cut to a press conference. What that Thorpe is having where he's being interviewed by the media about these attacks when Ben uh, interrupts by dragging his nails across the chalkboard. And I decided that I hate this television show forever. Do you know why he does that? Why? Because it's literally them stealing from Jaws. That's the oh, scene in right. Jaws. Duh. So they they wanted this to be an homage to a bunch of things, but specifically to Josh. Now, do you remember what Ben says? Uh, he says that the real monster is the press. Oh, no. Before that. Oh, no. Would you like to know the nature of the predator we are dealing with? <laughs> so this is Baywatch, not Ernest Hemingway's The Old Man in the Sea. Uh, and then he says, its appetite is insatiable. Its pursuit is relentless and they go oh it's the press isn't it and he goes press predator it's practically the same thing um it was such cheesy dialogue but it was kind of great so bad and they really hate the written word in this show for some reason yeah this makes me think of uh this this episode's um wanton uh wrestling allegory of there's this very very pretty himbo uh, named Kota Ibushi, who is good at being a himbo and not a lot else. Um, <laughs> he doesn't read. Uh, and the reason is, is because he says that books put ideas in your mind and make you think things. Uh, I mean, he's not wrong. <laughs> and this scares him. And I'm like, that's kind of what Baywatch is right now. They're like, don't read the media. They tell you things. The only thing you should trust is the feel of the water against your legs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've we've learned a lot about the politics of Baywatch from this episode. That's for sure. What else do we see in this scene, though? We get to meet our new monster hunter who's going to be in this episode, uh, who actually I spent the entire episode convinced that I recognized this actor and finally looked him up on IMDb. Uh, and he is one of the main scientists from Lost running uh, the research institute on the island. Yeah, Francois Chow. He's also, mm-hmm. if you watch The Expanse, he's a main character in The Expanse. Uh, he's in a lot of things. Now, mind you, he is a camp. He is, I think, Cambodian-born Chinese Vietnamese. Uh, I believe that's correct. Yeah, but what is his character's name? I don't remember. It's Tadashi. So he's supposed to be ah. Japanese because the nineties. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But and it's I could not stop laughing when they just cut to him. And he goes. I will catch this creature for you. (laughs) It's moving to warmer waters. And they're like, oh, we'll listen to you. And it's like, what is this shit? Yeah. I also love his Jurassic Park outfit. He's got the like puffy vest and the like 
khaki everything that just looks straight uh, Richard Hammond. Right? That's his name from Jurassic Park? The main scientist guy? Richard, isn't Richard Hammond the guy from Top Gear? Um, shit, is it? <laughs> yeah. Um, it's something like that. The hell is the... Hang on. Yeah, no, look this up. What the hell is the name of the guy in Jurassic Park? I will add that I didn't put it as Jurassic Park. I put it that Tadashi looks like your favorite merch salesman at the Everglades. <laughs> it's definitely a very Seattle look. Um, where do you think the Everglades are, friend? Uh Oh, I was thinking Evergreens. Yes. <laughs> John Hammond. I wasn't that far off. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's Richard Attenborough as John Hammond. So, OK, that's I that, feel vindicated. That's, that's <laughs> vindication. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's he's got a real like 70s explorer vibe going on. Oh, yeah. And it's pretty great. Um, but after after we meet. Our our monster hunter, we get a very sweet montage that I actually was convinced for the first maybe 30 seconds of it that the video I was watching just hadn't properly cut out a commercial. Same, same. Um, <laughs> I was like, did, did Amazon like not like compile this properly? Yeah, it just it just looks like a commercial from the time, but the music under it is so good. It's just this amazing synth pop. Like, genuinely, I would listen to that song. Uh, but it's, um, what's his name from part one? Selling t-shirts of the toxic mutant jellyfish. Oh, yeah. Uh, Morgan. Mm-hmm. We also get an original song. Oh, boy. Now, I should add, part, se- season two is a game changer for us here at Baywatch Rookie School. And not just because we're entering a new season of Baywatch. It's also because Michael finally realized that I could just look at the credits of the episode to figure out who sings each song. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Instead of, you know, just going on a wild goose hunt through the Internet. Though I do like the DIY nature of that. Uh, But this one, I was like, I can't figure it out. And then I just looked at the credits randomly and I was like, oh, okay." So... (laughs) So this song is called Monster, and it's by Dalton Sear. He's about 20 years old now. So when this came out, he was like 18 or 17. Oh, wow. Which, when you hear the lyrics, you're going to probably believe that. Um, <laughs> I'll just give you up front. My rating for this song is a C-. minus. Uh, I don't like it. All right. Here are the lyrics. Blood in the water. Nothing hotter now the danger is real. Feeling surrounded, heart is pounding, this is making me feel. Like I can't rip my eyes away from the girls I see. There's something out there and it's trying to get a hold on me. Hold on me. I just want to make it. I can take it if I can go with the flow. Because if we're going to sweat it, we're going to let things get out of control. I know that this isn't the way it's supposed to be. There's something out there and it's trying to get a hold on me. Hold on me. So don't look down if you don't want to scream. They've got me now, and I'm not breaking free. Don't know for sure, but now I'm really starting to believe. There's something out there, and it's trying to get a hold. Oh, all these girls can never get enough. I'm just one man who's going to give it up. Don't know for sure, but now I'm really starting to believe that there's something out there, and it's trying to get a hold on me. 
not the best lyricist we've had doing an, do an original song for Baywatch, which, to be clear, not a high bar. No, absolutely not. Um, you know, but this is this is low even for Baywatch. Um, it's yeah, it feels like a 17 year old wrote this. Um, yeah, it's not as good as my last week on Baywatch segment uh, in terms of rhymes. <laughs> uh, and I could probably write a better song than this. Uh, I yeah, couldn't perform a better it. song than this, but I could write a better one. I think I think that should be uh, that should be our goal for some point during this podcast is we'll we'll write a song and have someone perform it. Morgan, that's an amazing idea. <laughs> How did I not think of that? Oh my! Right. We'll we'll sit down. We'll write up a song together. What if we can get one of the artists from this show to sing oh, our Baywatch song? That would be incredible. What if we get twenty-year-old Bappy Boy Dalton Sear to <laughs> sing our song? Oh, that'd be amazing. What if we get a full production? Oh, okay. I'm. <laughs> I gotta calm myself down, Morgan. Please tell us what happens next before I go crazy. All right. Yeah. What happens next is uh, Mitch is gonna cook some dinner for Linda um, while Hobie plays wingman um, oh. and talks up uh, Mitch to Linda and then uh, asks her if the creature was the toxic mutant jellyfish. Actually, specifically, what he says is. Did the creature look like this and starts taking his shirt off? And I was very scared where we were going. Yes. But it turns out he has a second shirt on underneath yes. with the toxic mutant jellyfish on it. Yes. And Linda's kind of like, ha 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 ha. No, it was not that. And Mitch is like, chill. And then Hobie's like, don't worry. I don't think it was the toxic mutant jellyfish. I think it was alien. Yes. Like an abyss. Um, which I love because that that's a very 10 year old line of like logic there. His explanation is the logical place for them to hide is under the ocean. Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, that's exactly where aliens hide. You got it. You got it. 10 year old Hobie. That's <laughs> and this scene is so I think of it as so 80s somehow because there's a part where so Mitch has a whole and I put this in my notes as comma, 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 comma ordeal. Uh, with a smoke detector. <laughs> and then Hobie goes, you gotta love him. And I'm like, yes. Who, who is this pandering to? <laughs> like, I her? also love, I also love, so like you mentioned, the smoke alarm goes off from Mitch burning his cooking. But to bring up another recurring theme on Baywatch, Hobie has to foreshadow that the smoke alarm is going to go off by earlier in the scene telling Linda, if the smoke alarm goes off, don't worry. Mitch just likes to test it a lot. Yeah. he. So what this scene, the only reason this scene exists, and now, Morgan, you've heard this this line before for me, is that mm -hmm. this is to introduce to Linda that Mitch is single and ready to Mr. Bojangles. Uh, <laughs> he is ready to make some lovin'. Uh, oh, you know it. And Linda is ready to. Uh, and Hobie, whether he likes it or not, is telling us that Mitch is good with getting the smoke. I don't I I, I, I think I've yeah. lost myself here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it you know, especially given the next scene, this scene felt very weird and pointless. Oh, yeah. Tell us about the next scene, Morgan. It, 
Yeah. So the next scene is Mitch shirtless is asleep in his bed next to Hobie with the two of them like lying on top of each other. Um, it's less creepy than it sounds, but not entirely not creepy. It's weird, but it's not. It's a little weird. It's not. Yeah. It just seems like cool. No, not cool. Yeah. The good dad. Yeah. Um, but Mitch wakes up because he can hear Linda crying down in the living room where she has been asleep on the couch. Uh, so he shirtless goes down to comfort her. Um, and she gives us another Wuthering Heights reference. What is with this? Like, I know. is this a callback to, G- why do people, people keep bringing up Wuthering Heights in this show? Why Wuthering Heights? Is there some sort of grand setup here where it's like, <laughs> eventually we're like, there's a whole episode. There's just the plot of Wuthering Heights. Uh, you know, this is, you know, truly we wanted to do something about Shakespeare, but we decided it'd be more interesting to have an episode like Wuthering, like why... This. I really, I really hope they do an entire episode that's just a 45 minute recap of Wuthering Heights. <laughs> that would be amazing. Uh, <laughs> it would be. But then also it makes Jill feel pointless. I mean, she already that's is true. pointless. But. Well, yeah. The the other thing I wanted to comment is that Linda says that Mitch looks like Heathcliff in this. Uh, but I disagree because Mitch doesn't even have a ham helmet on and there's no garbage ape around. So he really just looks nothing like Heathcliff. Wait, she says he looks like Heathcliff? Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah. They cut that out of mine. Oh, that's weird. What? Yeah. Who? Yeah, she's who like, compliments you look someone like by Heathcliff. saying they look like Heathcliff. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Okay, that's, ooh, that's weird. Now, in fairness, I have not read Wuthering Heights, and I only know about it from the two Baywatch references, so I assume Heathcliff is a character in that. Oh, um, you mean that? Okay. I I was really worried that I missed, because yes, there is a character named Heathcliff in Wuthering Heights. I really thought you meant our, our, our lovable cat comic, <laughs> one that everybody loves, who is just the most f- favorite garbage ape-filled Mm-hmm. Comic. I was really worried there that I missed this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure that when they said Wuthering Heights and then referenced a character from it, what they actually were talking about is the surrealist comic strip Heathcliff. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that is going to be one of Heathcliff's things that he'll need to talk about in therapy. <laughs> he'll be wearing a helmet that just says Baywatch on it. <laughs> And the therapist will be saying, we need to talk about Baywatch. And that will be the entire comic. Yes. And then the next week, we'll just have David Hasselhoff waving going high. And that's it. (laughs) It'll be David Hasselhoff with a helmet that just says ham. And the caption will be something like, Heathcliff always loves ham. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Morgan, I have a different idea. Yes. What if Coitus... By way of back rubs, because that's oh what happens boy. here. Yeah. So Linda's like, oh, no, I'm all anxious and can't sleep. And Mitch is like, well, when Hobie gets like that, I rub his back. So what if I did that to you? And Linda's like, yeah, sure. That sounds good. So we get a very tight close. You make it sound much more childlike than it is, because she's like, yeah, that sounds good. Oh, no, we're we're getting to that part. OK. We we get a tight close up of the two of them as she like shrugs her shirt off of her shoulders and it's 
only lit by, like, flickering firelight and some what I assume was supposed to be sexy music plays. Um, it just sounded so cheesy and dated to me, but it wasn't dated then. True. True. Um, or it was maybe, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. You know, this is literally from before I was born. So, (sighs) yep. Um, but yeah, um, Mitch starts rubbing Linda's back and then she leans back and starts making out with him. And then Mitch is like, no, we can't do this because, I feel bad that I'm taking advantage of you. And Linda's like, you're not. I want to do this. I think you're ridiculously attractive. Right. Which is like, "Mm, no, if we keep going, I'm going to have taken advantage of you and I'm going to feel bad about it. And I was like, or or maybe like Linda could have some agency here and decide that she wants to, you know, go fool around with this absurdly attractive man who is currently rubbing her back. Well, but it's also up to him to also say, I also don't sure. want to. Sure. Uh, but it just, it just felt a little patronizing. It did. Where he was like, the only reason I'm not doing this is because I know better than you about what's right for you. And right. I was like, do you though? Like, yeah, no, obviously it's, it's his decision as well to be like, hey, I'm uncomfortable with this. Like, that's totally fine. I just, I don't know. It just felt patronizing to me. Yeah, I mean, he didn't, he honestly didn't need to do the whole bit uh, because you could have just said something like, in another 30 seconds here, I'm going to reach some withering heights, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Um, uh, And he's like, and I can't, my son's upstairs. uh, Yeah. And and this is weird. Uh, I'm just not ready. And it would have been like, that's fine. And yeah, then, totally. And then he could have followed up with what he already does, which is, I will tuck you into my son's bed and give you some mm-hmm. stuffed animals, which nothing's yes. going to happen after you say that. Uh, trust me. <laughs> Why I say trust me, like I've tried this before. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I mean, look, listen, I'm not judging. Like, if that's what you're into, that's fine. Look, trust me, um, I always tuck people into my son who doesn't exist bed and then give them <laughs> the toys that remind him of his not existence. Honestly, though, like if someone were to tuck me into like a race car bed, I think that would be pretty sexy. I'd be into that. What? Uh, <laughs> I, I wouldn't. I think it'd be pretty safe. And I'd be like, wow, this person is a great human being, but I also don't have a fetish for cars. Um yeah. You know, listen, <laughs> everybody's got we're, we're all discovering things about ourselves on this podcast. I don't know if you're learning a thing about yourself. But <laughs> it sounds like you already knew this. Eh, you know, little column A, little column B. And that's what we're here for. We watch Rookie School is a podcast about just learn <laughs> what you want to. Fuck. <laughs> God, anyway, <laughs> speaking, speaking of being horny, uh, the next scene is a very long shot of a woman running down the beach in a bikini and jiggling a lot. And it is very tightly framed on specifically the jiggly bits. She is Um, also the worst actress I've maybe ever seen in my life. She's not great. Um, But after a very long shot of her running and jiggling, um, she finds some tracks that lead into the culvert from season one where Hobie and what's his name got caught um, back in like episode four. I think it was like Ricky. Ricky. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then the scene ends and we never see her again. Nope. I assume she spontaneously combusted. 
Probably. Yeah. It's the only thing that makes sense. Yeah. What else makes sense? This next scene. Tell us about it. Oh, yeah. We open with Mitch and Devin talking about the creature and how it's big and scary. And maybe it is a toxic mutant jellyfish. And then they find out that some guy is on the beach shooting a shotgun. No, 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 Uh, no. You can't just spoil it like that, Morgan. Oh, because the way it happens is some dude runs into the office and just goes, you're not going to believe this. And then it cuts to Numi wrestling a shotgun out of a Hicks hand. Yeah. And I just took a few spaces in my notes and then wrote, what the fuck is this? Yeah. <laughs> like that was the, the if you would ask me, what do you expect to happen next? The probably the last thing would have been Numi wrestles a shotgun out of the hands of a hick. Yeah. No, it definitely felt like it came out of nowhere, but also this episode was so disjointed that it was like there's so many plot lines going on in this episode that it was hard for me to even point to any specific instance as being that weird and disjointed because everything was. Yeah, I I have told Morgan before that I think this may be the weirdest episode of Baywatch yet. Yeah, Uh, it's up there. I think it beats out Night Puncher and Edible Wet Dreams uh, somehow. (laughs) It doesn't sound as weird. It's just overall weirder. I don't think it quite hits the heights of Eddie's weird fantasy wet dreams, but it's definitely it's definitely getting close for me. Sure. But yeah, after after we wrestle the shotgun from this guy's hands, uh, our hunter from earlier shows up and wants to blow up the entrance to this culvert. Sorry. Sorry. What's what word did you say? Culvert? Yeah. Isn't that the name of it? I don't know. I've never heard that word before. I just called it. I just called it a drain. I think it's called a culvert. Now I'm now I'm not sure if I'm just making that up. Maybe I'm thinking of culvers, but I think I, I think no uh, I think it's a culvert. Um, yeah, it is. As a matter of fact, okay. it's a tunnel carrying a straight a stream or open drain under a road or railroad. Today I learned. Yeah, we we both learned some very important things today. You and I. Okay. I feel like my culvert revelation isn't as powerful as yours. Listen, we're not we're not here to judge. <laughs> we judge unconditionally. It's true. But yeah, Mitch is like, hey, maybe let's not blow up this culvert uh, because we don't know what's going on and it's probably not a monster. So how about instead I go in there? And so he does. So he starts going down. And there's this giant roar um, and Mitch gets all spooked, but is like, hey, I got to keep going. Um, And so he gets a little ways down the tunnel when Devin taps him on the shoulder and he jumps and she's like, hey, I'm coming with you. And then they have this weird exchange that I didn't write down the exact dialogue for. But Devin's like, are you sure this isn't a dream? And Mitch is like. I know it's not a dream because if it was, I would have made you go first. Yep, I I wrote that down <laughs> too. Uh, it's very weird. Uh, I had it as Mitch debates the efficacy of dreams, um, <laughs> but it it is it just comes out of nowhere because I mean Devin is a character that only exists for these two episodes. So, oh really? Oh yeah, no, she only exists. She this is her last episode. 
Well, last episode was her first episode. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, so you're establishing a relationship with a character we know nothing about other than she's a like marine biologist who we're never going to see again. Uh, the only things you really know is that she's kind of like no nonsense at times, but also a sense of humor. She wears crab stompers. Uh, <laughs> and she's seemingly high up because she's willing to like go along with Mitch to things. But like, yeah, I don't know. This just seems really weird and out of the out of the blue. Yeah, I'm I'm honestly kind of sad that this is her last episode because I thought she was a decent enough actor and I would have liked to have seen more of her and her character. Uh, and, well, and the reason for that is, is she's kind of too big for the show in a sense. I mean, so she this is Andrea Thompson. She goes on to Babylon 5 and NYPD Blue. Uh, so she makes a lot of money and is in a lot of long running shows. Uh, now, that's putting aside any feelings I have on Babylon 5 being really hard <laughs> to get into. And my PD Blue is a big show. Um, so, I mean, I feel like this was just her her your know, Baywatch bump for this short film because they do eventually release this on VHS uh, as Baywatch Nightmare Bay. So I mm -hmm. guess she considered it as like a movie role. Sure. It's kind sure. of like the pilot movie. Yeah, that's true. Do they do many more of these like two-parter movies? Do you happen to know? They do quite a few more two-parters. Um, they're not always as movies. There's another two-parter this season. Um, oh. That is going to be about the world's worst topic of all time. Oh. Do you want to know? Sure. Uh, someone accuses Eddie of rape. Cool. Sure, Baywatch is going to handle that with just a ton of grace and uh, good decision making. This is part of the reason why I prefaced with at the beginning that there are topics that are not so stellar. And we're going to mm -hmm. handle them like adults, uh, by which I mean yep. liberal adults. Uh, <laughs> um, and then there's a few later on. Um, one of them, and this is honestly kind of like my favorite uh, title of anything ever. It's going to be in a, a future season is Baywatch White Thunder at Glacier Bay. Uh, Ooh. And I really, really love that title. Uh, I think it's, it's very that, evocative. It's very cool. It's a 98 direct to video movie. Mm. But yeah, so we get qu quite a few um, of these two parter episodes throughout the series. Uh, mm -hmm. So, yeah, we're going to get more of these, uh, which either is a good thing or a bad thing. I'm not I'm honestly <laughs> not sure. I mean, overall, I mean, we'll get to it when we get to ratings, but I didn't other than the absolutely ridiculously racist white savior shit that they pull in part one of this. Um, part two. Is I actually better. didn't hate this. Yeah. 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 Part one. Um, ooh. Oof. As you may or may not remember, uh, Morgan and I did not love that episode. I don't know if our yeah. ratings really, truly told you that, but mm -hmm. uh, we didn't truly like that episode that much. Yeah, this it was it was pretty bad. Yeah, gotta say. Or we could be dreaming. But, you know, True. I know I'm not dreaming because I would have sent you in first. Uh, actually, <laughs> uh, Morgan, I am going to send you in first. What happens next? OK, uh, what happens next is we find out what the monster is uh, and the monster is outdated technology. 
because it's Hobie with a boombox. And Mitch does not approve of this because Hobie could have gotten himself killed. There was a man with a shotgun and a guy wanted to blow up the culvert. And Hobie's like, but it was just a prank, bro. Counterpoint. Hobie says, don't have a cow, dad. <laughs> and both uh, both Devin and Mitch are real spooked. And Hobie's like, but I was just doing goofs. But the goofs, they just weren't goofy enough. Yeah, this wouldn't get you uh this wouldn't get you enough followers on Instagram. It's true. It's true. Yeah, I think Logan Paul would just be really upset by this. I know. And really, like, if we can't trust the Pauls as a moral compass for our generation, who are we supposed to look to? Um I try to think of people who also have had dedicated H3H3 videos now. Uh, <laughs> and there's just so many bad people out there on the mm-hmm. internet. Yeah. Yikes. The internet was a mistake. The internet um, was a mistake. This is true. Anyways, <laughs> oddly, Devin is like, I see that your dad is not happy with you. However, I'm going to stand behind you, Hobie, and say, you got to give him props, though. It was creative. Uh, mm-hmm. Which, ugh. Uh, and then Mitch goes, Hobie, why aren't you with Linda? And Hobie just says, oh, she went back to Virginia. She left you a note. <laughs> which I'm like, yeah. What? Yeah. And then we never see her again for the rest of the episode. Yeah. So I think the whole point of it was to make Mitch seem strong for not withering her heights, if you know yeah. what I mean. Oh, uh, God, I wish I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I I was like, I also have in my notes for not weathering our heights, dot, dot, dot. Morgan's going to hate this one. Um, <laughs> like, what? Like, what was the point? Seriously, yeah. what was the point? Um, but do you mind if I do the next scene here? Oh, be my guest. So they then go back to the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Mitch reads the letter. And Linda says that she stole a family photo of Mitch so she could stare at it and feel calm. Yep. What the fuck, Linda? She says to think of her next time he rubs Hobie's back. Yeah. This this can't be right. This is not the sex positivity I signed up for. How did this make the final cut? Is he just supposed to be popping boners in front of his son or behind his son? Like, Oh, what? Yeah, I had a hard time during the scene deciding if I hated more the fact that she stole a family picture so that she could look into Mitch's eyes and feel calm or that she told Mitch to think about her anytime he gives Hobie a back rub after the context of him giving Linda a back rub was that they made out and almost fucked. And I was like, I don't like either of these things. I think I don't like the second one more because sometimes I just have to look into a you know Google image search of David Hasselhoff to feel anything these days. <laughs> so I get it. Um, I mean, sure. But I also don't do the background thing is too convoluted for me to even make a joke about. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was not good. It was not I didn't good. like knowing about it. Nope. And then Mitch decides to he was like. Boners for my son. Hey, hey, boner. I mean, son, come over here. Uh, and he sits boner down on the couch and he tells him good dad things. How the prank was bad. But mm-hmm. now Hobie is 10 and I need some of that 
Benjamin Button juice. Um, <laughs> and then Hobie says, Dad, I love you. And old Hobie would have never said that because he was an awful dick bag created by Satan. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I agree to that extent. Awful I do agree that Satan dick bag. The old, <laughs> the old Hobie, remember when he, there was that girl with the dog and she's like, yeah, mm-hmm. like my parents are, we're just having this issue. We can't keep the dog and they're going to kick him out. They're going to kill him. And he goes, okay, that's cool. You know, like, yeah, old, old Hobie was bad. This Hobie is so 80s smarmy. Well, you gotta love him, and I love him too. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, fuck off, Jeremy Jackson. Uh, <laughs> I know you're like 10, but fuck off. Yeah, it was, you know. God, that, that letter, it was just uncomfortable. <laughs> this episode is so weird. It's so weird. Like I was saying before, like, there's just, there's so many plots going on. Um, and we're about to get another one introduced. Another two introduced. Yeah. The, the first of those is that Eddie and Shawnee are welcoming a new group of kids into the junior lifeguard program. Um, and Tiana is afraid to go in the water after, you know, she almost died. Mm -hmm. Um, and so... Eddie is like, Shawnee will hold your hand in the water. But then Shawnee's too distracted because her dad just showed up. And before that, let's say that Shawnee tries to calm her down by saying, you're not going to die. You were only (laughs) caught in a riptide. (laughs) And then Eddie describes what a riptide is. And it's like, is that supposed to make her feel better? Like, yeah, you're telling her, no, look. Don't worry, you're not going to die. It was only this rare thing that happens that you also happen to be there for. Um, and it's probably not going to happen again. But if it yeah. does happen, you will probably die this time. And the the kid looks terrified, mm-hmm. understandably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. It's horrifying. Uh, but so, yeah, uh, Shawnee can't hold Tiana's hand because she has to go talk to her dad. Uh, so Eddie's going to hold her hand but in the water. Right before this, one other funny thing I found was so mm-hmm. Shawnee sees her dad dries up and she's staring at him. And Tiana asks Shawnee a question and then takes a tenth of a millisecond to then get really scared and go, Shawnee, Shawnee, Shawnee. <laughs> like, give her a fucking second, kid. Jeez. Holy yeah. crap. Like, she'll respond to you. Oh, my God. Tiana, you're, you're testing my patience here. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, seven to eight-year-olds are notoriously known for their ability to be patient and wait for things. I'm 30, and I'm still not patient. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we uh, we get to meet Shawnee's dad now, um, and he kind of looks like older Mitch. Yeah. I thought that's um, he he's just real, real skeezy white older gentleman. And he's here to continue being mad at Shawnee for being a lifeguard. And the two of them refuse or Shawnee refuses to even look at her dad. So they stand right next to each other in their best approximation of high school theater director directing a play. Um because as everyone knows, you got to make sure you're cheating out to the audience. And <laughs> so you stand in a straight line, not facing each other while you have a conversation. Yep. Um, and so 
Shawnee's like, but I just saved Tiana's life. And then her dad's like, well, why didn't you tell me and your mom? And she's like, because you were shitty to me during my entire childhood. And instead of like giving me any sort of emotional support, you just paid me money when I got A's on my report cards. Um, No, let's let's investigate that a little bit more. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She says her dad used to give her $50 for every A in her report card. Now, in 2021, that's still a lot. But back in 1990, that was also a lot. And who the fuck does that? So if you have six periods a day, that's Mm -hmm. $300 a semester. Now, imagine if they have quarters. She's loaded. And some of those classes are going to be things where it's like home ec, easy A. So she's just making tons of money. Yeah. It makes me really hate Shawnee. Like, yeah, they clearly established that she's super rich and privileged, even for a white a show about white blonde people, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, and I'm like, is this supposed to make us like Shawnee more? Like, I mean, I know what they're going for here. um, Sure. um, But it's like it's supposed to make us like her. Yeah, I know it. It just like continues to show I mean, I guess not even continues because we haven't seen it that much, but that she's just like grew up in this very out of touch, abusive kind of household. That was only last episode. So they've only done it in this two parter to just show us you're just so white and out of touch. Unlike Eddie, who's poor and white and not out of touch Mm -hmm. and very keen with his um, emotions. Yeah, that's what that's what I think of when I think of Eddie is a pillar of emotional stability and maturity. (laughs) Yep. Like a good Greek column. I mean, he is built like a Greek column. I mean, he's built like a Greek column put on to like a guy like a guy who plays bass at Chuck E. Cheese. (laughs) Um, But yeah, after uh, after Shawnee tells her dad that like, hey, you were abusive to me and you never even said you were proud of me. You just paid me. Um, her dad tries to justify it and with standard, like, you know, emotionally <laughs> tries to justify it with standard, like emotionally manipulative bullshit where he's like, oh, I was just trying to protect you from the world and boys. And I always said that I would kill any man who didn't treat you with the respect you deserve. And it's the most just like. Fuck out of here with your, like, bullshit, patronizing, like, whatever nonsense. And then he's like, but don't worry, I'm proud of you. I don't know what else to say. And Shawnee's just like, oh, okay, thanks. And it, I, I was a little worried about how they were going to handle it. And they handled it a little bit better than I was expecting with Shawnee not being like, Oh, cool. All is forgiven now. And we're good. Like she's kind of just like, "Mm, okay. And leaves to go like, take care of the kids again. Yeah. Um, I mean, especially so at one point she shouts at him going, what do you think we do here all day? Work on our tans. Um, Yeah. And that's kind of like a sign of her just, it's like, we're capturing a moment of just like the pivotal conversation where she's like, you've never come to me at work, but I'm finally at work and you're here. And I'm like, I got shit to do. I'm an adult. And like, I don't have time for you. Uh, And so maybe her saying thank you is just like, I just want to end this conversation right now. Uh, Mm -hmm. That's at least the way I took it. No, I, I agree. And that's why 
that's why I'm saying that I think they handled it better than I was expecting. Mm. Because the what I was expecting is for her to just be like, oh, it's all good now. Oh, like, yeah. And that's the resolution, right. which would have been real shitty. No. Uh, something we should, or at least I'd like to get your opinion on here is. Sure. I think one of the, 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 the true delights of this show, and I think there are some actual true delights, um, uh, is Erica Leniak's acting. And I think it's really good here. Yeah. I, I see this and I'm like, Tam, why haven't I not seen her in way more things? Uh, yeah. Because I look at this and I'm like, this is someone who's like, has like, not, you know, the A plus script, but is like able to give that like Oscar level performance if she wanted to. Um, and yeah, I just thought the scene was really well acted. Not again, not the best written, but really well acted. Yeah, I think in general, she's done a really good job with some very limited material. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's there's not a ton of great actors on this show. I mean, I would say it's like it's her and David Hasselhoff pretty much. Uh I mean, I like Garner a tiny bit. I guess we I mean, we just haven't even seen enough of him for me to really have an opinion on his acting. Yeah. OK, that's true. But what about. Um, nope. I, everybody else is like <laughs> the joke is too obvious. <laughs> yeah. It's like everyone else who I would think of, like, you know, like court or someone. Qu the actor whose name I can't even remember now. Nobody playing cares. court. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, did a reasonable enough job with the character, but it's also such a just, like, generic character that, like, yeah, no shit, he managed to play the, like, generic, kinda sleazy, kinda charming, like, you know, loner Han Solo type. Like, oh, Same okay, with sure. uh, Peter Phelps as Trevor. Yeah, exactly. It's such a just, like, stock character that it's like, okay cool, you managed to play that stock character. Like, it's not nothing. Right. There are certainly actors who would have fucked those roles up. Don't get me wrong. Um, but, but yeah, and I yeah. think they stand out, especially like if you think of like, if you compare David Hasselhoff's acting, because he gets good scripts with Craig, yeah. who was in quote, you know, I guess you could say he got good scripts. Craig's act, uh, 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 Parker Stevenson's acting was not, anywhere near comparable to David Hasselhoff's. Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely. David Hasselhoff is a much better actor and he's a great actor. Um, yeah. And but I, this show to me right now, of course, this will change uh, when it becomes the David Hasselhoff and Pamela Anderson show uh, is the Erica Leniak and David Hasselhoff show to me. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Uh, and then sometimes it's the, Monty Marco wants to put on his Disco Duds show. <laughs> God, he's just so much all the time. Uh, I'm, I'm so glad we live in the in the 2020s and not the 1950s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for so many reasons. Oh, yeah, many. Uh, anyway, to, to get us back on track of the plot, uh, next up, we have a scene where... Kay sees our, our hunter friend from earlier uh, meeting with some big oil exec that she's about to interview um, and writes down the license plate of the hunter's van as he drives off. And then we get a little scene uh, with Thorpe and Ben 
uh, where they banter a little bit, and then Ben is like, listen, you're going to hate it downtown. You should stick around here, promote me to lieutenant, stay as captain, and let Mitch do his thing. Um, And Thorpe thinks about it, but then gets mad that Mitch won't let him into his office. It's a weird scene. I wasn't expecting that. I honestly was not expecting Ben to be like... Let me proposition myself to get a promotion. I was like, huh, okay. Like, I just assumed, you know, Thorpe would be like, oh, Ben, you've been here for so long and you did a thing, so here you get it. Not like, hey, how about this? Let me guilt you. Um, And because he does this right after talking about chess, um, he's Mm -hmm. trying to play Thorpe like chess. And apparently Thorpe is easily playable. Um, And I was like, oh, I... Do not like Ben now. <laughs> I mean, I I thought he was fine. Like, you know, he's not wrong with anything that he says. No, um, I, don't I was just surprised, honestly, that he's as big of a character as he was. I assumed he was just going to be like background. We see him for a, like one scene here and there kind of thing. No, he's going to be around for like a season or two and then he'll quit Ooh. and then he dies. I mean, the actor dies. Oh, I did not realize that. Oh, yeah. No, this is Baywatch is his last role before he dies. Gotcha. Wow. That's that's, that sucks. That sucks. (laughs) He had to do this show and then he died. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow, Morgan. Way to like hype our podcast. (laughs) Yikes. (laughs) Just remember, Rookie School Fateful. I still love this show and I still love you. Unlike Morgan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's true. I, you know, you know me, I just really hate our audience just so much. If if there's anything that can be said about Morgan Thrapp, it's that one of the (laughs) obvious things is that he just hates things. Oh, yeah, just just, all the time. uh, 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 If I had two hands, I could easily just list off the things he hates. Uh, (laughs) But I'm not gonna because I can't think of any. (laughs) I will put on the record... Uh, one thing that I do hate, and that is John Taffer, who runs the show Bar Rescue, and is <laughs> a fucking asshole, and thinks that mezcal is made from mescaline and makes you trip, and is somehow in charge of a bunch of bars, and also invented a thing called the butt funnel, which is when you make <laughs> the entrance to the dance floor too small, so that people have to touch butts when they're going on the dance floor, and he's dumb and stupid, and I hate him. Um... <laughs> I've already heard this rant, and it still makes me laugh. <laughs> um, but uh, you know what I don't hate? That is that is the rest of this episode. Okay. Um, which is that Kay shows up to Mitch's office and gives him the plates uh, from the van and is like, don't worry, I quit the paper. I'm thinking about starting an independent one. Because uh, if there's one thing that's secure in life... It's that print media is a good career decision, um, and starting an independent paper can't possibly fail. I mean, in, um, in 91, it's not as horrible of any. It's still a bad idea, but not a horrible idea. That's true. That's true. Um, but then Devin shows up and is like, hey, there's evidence that this is all a hoax. The cave was not natural. It was man-made. Um... And then we get Thorpe bursting in and just kind of throws the keys to the scarab to Mitch. Like, this whole scene just felt very blocked to me, where it was like, 
Okay, we've exhausted the dialogue options with K. Now it's time for Devin's bit of dialogue. Okay, Devin's done. Now it's time for Thorpe's bit of dialogue. Um, And they're all, like, only tangentially related. Right. But we do finally get to see the Scarab uh, in some weird footage that almost looked rotoscope to me. Like... It looked 240p. Oh, yeah, well, that too. But it also just, like... It looked it looked scanner darkly yeah. to me. Yeah. No, it does. Um just imagine that in HD though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I bet. Um the whole thing just felt like a cheap music video, honestly. Like we get a whole montage here of just like weird Dutch angle shots of the boat that's rotoscoped while like cheesy music plays over top of it. Um and then uh, Devin, Mitch, and Thorpe go out to the area where Wait. Linda was attacked. Wait, because we get an original song. Oh, uh, boy. So for this scene, we get Heaven by Josh Rabinold. Um, and I've done far too much research now about Josh Rabinold, <laughs> so I'm not going to tell you everything. Josh Rabinold's right. bio mentions that he wrote 14 songs for Baywatch Remastered, um, which is a lot. Now, in this, I also discovered a review of him from Dean Dinning, who produced uh, a lot of the music for this show, or like he was producing the original songs in studio. Uh, Now, Dean Dinning may be better known to uh, maybe 0.01% of the population, of which I was (laughs) not a part of. Uh, oh, uh, as the basis of the band Toad the Wet Sprocket. Um, huh. Uh, because I have maybe only ever once listened to Toad the Wet Sprocket because I hear the name Toad the Wet Sprocket and I'm like, absolutely not. Um, I know the name, but I could not tell you a single song that they've done. Same. Um, now, Dean worked as, with Josh on 13 of these 14 songs. Uh, and apparently they were all recorded under a tight deadline, whatever that means. Um, huh. Josh also says that his inspirations are the band Dawes, uh, which, okay, and Billie Eilish. Um, huh. Okay. Anyways, here are the lyrics of this song uh, that serves as a cool montage of how happy Mitch is to have a scarab. Ain't hard to figure out. What this life is all about. Not just a fantasy. That's what you do to me. I'm tired of playing around my head up in the class. That doesn't matter to me. Every time I look around, babe, you know it's you that I see. Can't you see? (laughs) Then I'm in heaven when you call my name. That I'm in heaven when you call my name. And my heart is in flames with no discretion. Love me once, then do it again. And that's it. Wow. It's a, a horny song. It's better than Dalton Sears song uh, because Dalton yeah. Sears song does not have the line. Love me once, then do it again. <laughs> <laughs> so you mean twice. OK, it honestly, the, the beginning of the lyrics um, remind me a lot of I thought you were going to go into uh, like a prayer by Madonna. Ooh, well, you know. I mean, that would have been better, but just like a prayer, <laughs> this scarab has sonar. <laughs> Is that the lead in you were looking for? Mm-hmm. 
Okay, cool. I couldn't have I couldn't have asked for a better segue. You, you could have, and I would have given you a better one, but this is what you got. <laughs> it's true. I also was confused at this point if Linda was in on it or not. Um, Linda. But I don't think it matters. She's in Virginia. Right, but, like, if she was involved in this whole plot, like... Oh, no, no, no. Again, she's just for Wuthering Heights. That's it. Oh, okay. Because they kind of made it seem like she might be, but... I, I don't know. I, it's so disjointed and hard to tell. <laughs> They're like, Oil Bigwig has offered to fund a Wuthering Heights movie if you do this. And she's like, <laughs> I love Wuthering Heights. Like, imagine if... Like, okay, so the scene from Forrest Gump where they're just like, shrimp, I love shrimp. Shrimp there, shrimp that. <laughs> but that's her, but with Wuthering Heights. <laughs> that's only funny to, like, three people, but I love it. Anyways, <laughs> please continue, Morgan. Sure. Uh, so, yeah, speaking of sonar, they're tracing whatever this creature is on the sonar when it disappears because it has gone into the cave. Ooh. Um, so Devin and Mitch decide to dive after it, but then it's heading right towards them, and there's a bunch of cuts back and forth where Thorpe is like, it should be right on top of you. And Mitch is like, I don't see it. How is and he talking, though? To- like, Mitch is underwater and he's got a breathing apparatus in his mouth. So unless he knows ventriloquism, he is not talking. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure they had, like, radios built into those suits. I feel like we've seen that before. No, his mouth is literally on the thing. Right, but, like, it's attached to the rest of the suit. You can take your mouth off of the... It doesn't, not while he's talking. He's literally (laughs) huffing on that thing. Oh. And then it's like, oh, oh, oh. And instead what you hear (laughs) is Mitch going, I don't see it. Where is it? Oh, I was not paying close enough attention to notice that. Now, if he knew ventriloquism, he could be puffing on it and just make noises with his his sexy tongue. His sexy (laughs) smoke alarm setting off tongue. (laughs) um but yeah he uh we get we get a bunch of cuts back and forth where where we keep reiterating that this thing should be right on top of them but mitch can't see it but it should be right there but i can't see it um and this goes on for too long before we get a pov shot from the monster's point of view as it's closing in on Devin and grabs Devin, and it turns out that it is a mini sub that was being driven by our hunter friend. What the fuck um, is this shit? I know. Like the the reveal yeah. of it being a mini sub with a giant claw pouted by Tadashi is just like what? Like is this, yeah. this is this Star Fox? Like what the fuck is this thing? <laughs> Where does it come from? Who decided? <laughs> That it should be a mini sub with a giant... Morgan, I can't. I can't. I know. Why? And it's like, it's not, it's not even like it's surprising. Because like, duh. Like, what else is it going to be? It's just, it feels so lazy. It is. The least they could have done was like, have it be like the Loch Ness monster, but like Mecha Loch Ness, you know? Yeah. Yeah, give us, like, fucking Mechagodzilla or something. Ooh, like, that but, would have been cool. But could Monk beat it? Sorry, Monkey? <laughs> monkey? What? King Kong, he's a monkey. Oh, yes. Yeah, duh. Are you, are, uh, are you King Kong or are you Godzilla, Morgan? This is very important. It's a good question. I feel like... I feel like, if I'm being honest here, I'm probably Godzilla... Because, like, I just don't have the 
athleticism to go climbing things, I'm much more likely to just like stomp around and no, scream. No, 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 you're missing the point. In, there's the new movie King Kong versus Godzilla. Oh, which side do you pick? Because that's what's big on the internet is: Are you Team Monkey, Team Monk, or Team Big Lizard? I did not know about this. Oh yeah, there's trailers everywhere for this thing. Huh? It comes out yeah. the end of this month, at the end of March. Oh. Yeah, I haven't been on the internet much because I just moved, so I totally missed this. Um, I gotta, I gotta say, I think I'm team, I'm team monkey. I what? As a kid, I used to collect stuffed monkeys and really anything with monkeys on them. Um, I had probably like twenty odd stuffed monkeys at one point. Um, Interesting. And yeah, so I gotta, I gotta stay true to my roots. I gotta go team monkey. Well. As a human, I think <laughs> I think I don't as I there's nothing I associate more with than uh, toxic waste lizards, uh, <laughs> especially one that shoots uh, giant frickin laser beams out of its mouth. Uh, and to that, I'm like, how is a monkey supposed to stand up to a laser beam shot out of a lizard's mouth? Now, then again, That's a good point is not that dexterous the monkey <laughs> but there's a laser beam now i think what's going to happen is like they're just both going to die and then thanos appears or some shit Ooh. Um, establishing godzilla and king kong as canon marvel characters what if they're mutants what if i feel like i feel like there's no chance the two of them haven't been in a marvel comic at some point we're gonna look this up right now hell yeah okay so Yes, there was a King Kong. Oh, wow. Okay, wait. There's a lot of King Kong stuff. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. While you're looking it up, do you know the story of the like copyright dispute around King Kong and Donkey Kong? Well, I don't know that. I know that originally he was supposed to be Monkey Kong, and then mm -hmm. they misheard him over the phone, and then it became Donkey so there's that, but I also found out the other day that um, basically when when Nintendo created Donkey Kong and was like first starting to market him, oh, what is it, Paramount, who owns Universal Monsters, um, tried to sue Nintendo because they were like, hey, that's very clearly just King Kong. Like, you're not fooling anyone. And Nintendo was like, OK, sure. And then went through um, basically like all of trademark law and discovered that actually King Kong had never been copywritten. Like Ooh. it was just a technically a like public domain character at this point. Um, so they were able to win the lawsuit by just being like, yeah, no, actually, we filed all our paperwork for Donkey Kong and you don't have shit. So we win. <laughs> wow, that's I did not know that. That's crazy. Like who? I mean, whoever didn't establish that copyright messed up for sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. But it was just one of those things where they were like, we've been making King Kong movies for 50 years. How do we not have the copyright? Like, right. They just assumed they must have. So I have some good news to report. Mm hmm. 
Now, for some of this, we do have to get a little bit off topic here and describe multiverse <laughs> theory. Um, on this podcast, us off topic? <laughs> shocking. So in Marvel, there exists many, many universes. There's an idea of multiverses. Now, the main universe in Marvel is 616. Uh, mm-hmm. each, so we do get different Earths. And of course, there's like, you know, there's Marvel Zombies universe. There's universes where uh, characters are like swapped. Uh, there's universes where you know, what a random stuff happens, but all of them are underneath the one above all, uh, who is just this figure who looks like, uh, just, just looks like homeless Stanley, basically. Uh, <laughs> uh, Spider-Man meets him once as a homeless man and Spider-Man gives him a dime and he's like, you're a good one kid. Uh, and I'm like a dime. Uh, anyways, um, King Kong exists firstly in earth 616. So the normal universe, uh, he sure. had some comics written uh, about him, um, and then he also exists in Marvel uh, in Marvel's Earth nine zero four seven, which is the uh, is it's like the self parody universe, um, which they do. It's also like just mostly like a joke of comic books. So Charlie Brown exists in this universe uh, as well. Uh, the Jolly Green Giant exists in this universe. Um, you have uh, just a group called the X Persons. Um, so, like, there's Spider Mouse. Uh, instead of Wolverine, there's Wolvie. Um, instead of <laughs> Colossus, there's Colosseum. Um, wow. You know, just great stuff like that. There's Chaplin America, uh, which I really like. Um, so, yeah. And then uh, he also exists in DC. So, Godzilla exist in Earth 616 in Marvel. In fact, he had a 24-issue run in Marvel Comics between uh, 1977 to 1979, so some early stuff. Um, oh, yeah. He technically has never been, was never in DC until May 2014, and this was, they made an official graphic novel based off of the movie. Oh, of okay. A movie. Um, so he was not in, um, it was not in DC. So, mm-hmm. uh, given this, if we're going just off of, you know, um, uh, who would exist in the most universes, uh, if there was a universe killing monster afoot, uh, mm-hmm. King Kong would win. All right. But this is also wrong. And just like Brandon <laughs> Call, uh, this is a sin of Satan. Yeah. I I mean, yeah, it does kind of feel like if one character has laser beams and the other one doesn't, like, I don't know. I'm going to put my money on, on the laser beams every single time. Right? It's like Superman. Like, how is Superman yeah. supposed to lose? He's got fucking laser beams. Exactly. Exactly. And Godzilla doesn't even have kryptonite. I mean, I thought Godzilla's kryptonite is just the folly of man. <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, think about it. Is there really any other weaknesses to him other than just humans trying to be like, like, I mean, at first, God, Godzilla's a villain, and then they beat up Godzilla so bad that Godzilla's like, okay, I give him good now. Uh, and then they're like, oh, Godzilla will help us. 
And then there's always some dude who's like, I know he's helped us like 70 times. <laughs> and out of those times, only 69, nice, of nice. them has he, you know, actually done positive. One time he was bad. But I think time 71 is is the charm. I think we should kill him. And everyone's like, why would you hurt Godzilla? And it's like, I just ha- I just have this feeling. So it is the folly of man is his weakness. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Um, you want, you want to know what else we can see clearly, Morgan? What can we see, Michael? I fucked that up. I was looking back at my notes. <laughs> There's a harpoon. Get to the harpoon. Mitch shoots a harpoon. There is, there is indeed a harpoon because Mitch is like, hey, submarine, I'm going to shoot a harpoon at you because that's going to do anything. Um, and spoiler, it super doesn't. No, it does. Um, I mean, not really. It stops the rudder fan. Oh, that's true. That's true. That's a big thing, Morgan. Yeah, I guess so. Again, I wasn't paying super close attention. Okay, because Tadashi Tadashi reacts to this hard. Like, he looks like he's stroking. Oh, yeah. But yeah, he uh, he then gets the boat anchor and attaches it to the sub. And then we can see that Devin is clearly not actually being held by the claw because she's not like it's not even touching her, yep. which I understand for like safety reasons. Uh but it looked really bad. Yes. <laughs> um, and then Mitch cuts the hydraulic line to the claw, and then Devin's able to escape, and they both head to the surface, switching off their rebreather, like, you know, switching it back and forth between the two of them so that Devin can get back up to pressure, and then they're okay. And Thorpe uses the boat to tow the sub to shore. They're so okay that Devin has time to change into a completely different outfit that was not underneath her bathing, her, her like, her wetsuit. Uh, yes. Nor was it the suit that she came in with, which is, mm-hmm. that's a really good brand of okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she had, she had enough time to make sure that she changed into a wetsuit that really just showed off her cleavage a ton. What, what? What? No, this was the the wetsuit that was yellow and black. That, unless, yeah, unless it was. I don't know. It was zipped like it was zipped like a third of the way down. Morgan, I don't watch this show for titillation. <laughs> Morgan, I watch this show to truly appreciate Mother Nature. Yeah, Gaia above has given us many wonders. One of which, sure, I guess, is humans. Like, I guess they're <laughs> attractive. We want to know what's more attractive: water. And Godzilla. I mean, Godzilla's pretty hot. <laughs> I don't know, man. You got right? your race car, and I got my Godzilla. Yeah. Listen, we're <laughs> we're finding something for everyone. Breathe on we're gonna me. Start. Breathe on me, Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if anyone's interested in joining the pilot program for our matchmaking service, <gasps> hit us up on Twitter. <gasps> Yes, no, absolutely. are we doing that? Can we start a ma- Oh, I've yes. trained all my life for this. Okay. <laughs> well, so things things that this episode has spawned, we're going to write and uh, compose and get a song performed mm-hmm. and we're going to start a dating service. So I'm I'm feeling pretty good about this episode, you know. Lots of lots of good business ideas. There's so much to add to my resume. Uh, yeah. And you know yeah. how resumes work is you add the things you're going to do to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just like wrote a song eventually. 
<laughs> started an entrepreneurial dating website eventually. Wait. Mm-hmm. What if we were going to start a dating service, what would we call it? Um, <laughs> I'm kind of honking I'm for kinda- Bobos. <laughs> Please explain this, Morgan. Yes. Uh, so the latest brain worm in my life has been Aerosmith's 2003-2004 uh, bluegrass album called Honkin' on Bobo, um, which is an album named Honkin' on Bobo <laughs> in which they cover a bunch of blues songs. And the reason it's called Honkin' on Bobo <laughs> is because uh, Steven Tyler said he thought he might have heard the phrase honking on Bobo somewhere and thought it was funny. I mean, it's extremely hilarious. It is. Oh, it's wonderful. It's not good, um, but it is a very good name. And it is Aerosmith in 2004 doing covers of blues songs uh, on an album called Honkin' on Bobo. (laughs) Now, now, actually, I think we should we should actually come up with a real name for this. Um, I do think maybe we got to go something a little bit uh, you know simpler with this matchmaking service name. Sure. Something like um, like Lifeline or something. Ooh, or like Life Lifeline's good. <laughs> uh, Lifeline yeah. is good, though. Yeah, I I like Life Alert. You know, it's we'll we'll send you an alert anytime we think we'll be able to improve your life. Like the title just makes sense. Right. And then uh, you get a button around your neck that you can press anytime you're like, I want to improve my life, please. And then you press it. (laughs) It's like it's like a slightly better version of the uh, the sex button. The what? Uh, So there was a Kickstarter that went around like a year or two ago which was just a set of two buttons that you could put in your bedroom, uh, like one for each person. And if one person presses the button, um, it signals that they're horny. And then if both people press the button, they both light up. And you know that you're both horny because that's easier than just talking to your partner. But wait, is it like a giant red button? And no, it just it's looks like... Um, it looks like one of those cheap, like, closet lamps you buy at Ikea. You know, the things that you, what? like, stick on and, like, press the button. It's, oh, man, it's so good. I'll have to I'll have to include a link to it in the show notes. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I've just decided on a motto for our, for our dating or matchmaking service, uh, yeah. which is, help, I've fallen in love and I can't get up. <laughs> Uh, Love Sync is the name of it. Love Sync? What? Love Sync. That's that's almost as good as our dating service. <laughs> Listen, it's like they say, Love Sync is a little old place where we can fail to communicate about our sex life. We should just call it <laughs> Failure to Communicate. Ooh. That actually should be yeah. the name of our song. Our song yes. will be called Ooh. Failure to Communicate. Oh, yes. and it's going to be about lovesick. Yeah. We're going to write the world's first <laughs> ode to lovesick. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe there will be an ode to Bullet Ball as well, because that needs another oh, song. Uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll just do an ode to to Kickstarter projects. It's going to be that. 
Bullet Ball, Mighty Number no. 9, that documentary that your cousin tried to get you on. I don't mean your cousin specifically. I mean everyone's cousin. Um, you know, just just all the yeah. failed Kickstarter projects. That one Bluetooth cooler that's been about to ship for like 10 years now. Oh, my God. I actually have. a So there's a Kickstarter for a video game that I totally forgot. I hadn't played because I, ne- I hadn't gotten it yet. It got successfully funded and the team is like four people. It's been mm-hmm. they've been working on it since 2014. It finished funding in 2014 and they still oh, wow. provide semi regular updates. And it's really cool looking. But I'm just like, my dudes, how are you still skating on this money? <laughs> like, Yeah, that's some that's some Star Citizen-esque shit right there. Uh, it's called uh, Octopus City Blues. And it's really cool. Huh. Like, uh, it, it's this like 16-bit uh, adventure game. And you go around this weird city. And it's so cool looking. It's like cyberpunky. It also Ooh. like over-the-top Japan. And their Twitter talks about it, and you still get people commenting on it going, whatever happened to Octopus City Blues? And they'll respond like, <laughs> we're still working on it. And people are like, wait, what? Still? Yeah. And I still get emails that it's like, Kickstarter update number 120-something. And I'm like, what? Like, I thought, what? So, yeah, that shit is crazy. Um, I know what else is crazy, Morgan. The rest of this episode? Yes. Tell us about it. Yeah, we're we're just about done, so let's wrap it up. Uh, which is the last two scenes. One is uh, the cops showing up to arrest our oil exec friend from earlier, and then Devin has a very clever line about how the oil exec was the real monster all along, and it was definitely clever and well written. Um, yep, and then. Our final scene is uh, we've got ourselves a little fancy party on the beach where Mitch and Kay are flirting a bit and Kay is going to start her paper um, and Mitch and Thorpe are here to give a medal of valor oh, wait, to Shawnee. Wait, before that, before that, mm-hmm. we should add that Devin talks about uh, the question that I had been wondering because, mind you, between the time when Tadashi had the harpoon shot the rudder and now... Has been six minutes. Yes. No, less than six minutes. It's been about two minutes because there's six minutes left in the episode from the harpoon being shot. And there's like a minute and a half of credits. So there's not much time. And so I was like, so why was Tadashi there? Like, what was the point? So Tadashi designed the sub. Oil Bigwig had him sink the boat to take them off track of the Oil Bigwig doing Oil Bigwig things. This Mm -hmm. is... So Baywatch. I mean, so it's 90s. It's so seven. convoluted. Yeah. Uh, it's like, we're going to describe the whole plot in the last 90 seconds. This is just like the Night Puncher episode where Craig is like, yeah, I figured it all out. And Mitch is like, you did? And he's like, let me tell you about the family history of this Night Puncher guy in 45 seconds as we cruise around the city. Um, it's like, oh, shit, we forgot there was a plot. We got to explain it. Yeah, it's. Yeah, the the um, the comparison to the Night Puncher episode is such an apt one where they're just like, well, we've introduced a bunch of crazy shit and written ourselves into a corner. So, meh, fuck it. We'll just give a little monologue at the end to wrap everything up. Yep. Yeah. Um, and speaking of wrapping things up, uh, 
Mitch and Thorpe are, are given a Medal of Valor to Shawnee, um, and her parents are here to see it, and then they're like, only twice in the history of lifeguards have we given a Medal of Valor, and Ben is one of the recipients, so he's going to give you the medal, Shawnee, and then it's very sweet, and Tiana runs up and hugs Shawnee and says, I love you, and it's it's actually very sweet. It's sweet, but, cute. like, why is Shawnee getting it? She is getting it for saving a kid, but, like, Mitch has saved, like, a billion kids, and Numi did yeah. it twice over the last two episodes. Numi, in it, fact, saved her. Yeah. It very much... It very much felt like just a plot device to be like, well, now we need to wrap up the fact that Shawnee's parents aren't fully proud of her yet. So here we go. Here's a way for her to be OK with her parents now. And we never have to address it again. Just like the real Medal of Honor. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's a joke I'm going to get hate for. OK. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's the episode. We've we've made our way through technically now through the first episode of of season two so morgan with that in mind let's do some ratings so let's do it in the spirit of it being a new season we have decided to create a new rating scale so we're going to detail if you uh woo. anyways <laughs> keep that in <laughs> we're gonna detail it for you right now so goodbye walking on a on a muddy beach which you know, pins and needles everywhere and sniffing Mitch's abs. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. We're on to something new. So now, oh, boy. Morgan, Morgan, I ask, so on a scale of one to ten, where one is ruining your food so bad that the smoke alarm goes off, and the ten is having your boy toy David Hasselhoff talk about Wuthering Heights with you, where does this episode rate? Um... Yeah, I got to say, you know, part one did not (laughs) do it for me, Um, you know, in part by virtue of just the whole super racist sequence where Shawnee goes to visit uh, Tiana's family Mm -hmm. um, and just how bad all of that was to have to watch. Um, The the second part, you know, just kind of forgets about that storyline entirely. Um, which I guess is an improvement. Like, you know, would have would have loved to see some actual black characters, but it's oh, there I is, mean there is one. I didn't mention there is one scene where there is a black lifeguard who gets no Oh, that's true. That's true. I actually do remember noticing him because I think it's the first time we've seen a black lifeguard on this show. Yes. Uh, if not one of the first. Um so yeah, you know, I guess I guess not actively being racist is a little bit better. Um, but other than that, I think overall this was a pretty fun episode. Like, you know, the monster hunting plot was, was a little dumb and a little contrived at times. And it, you know, got wrapped up a little too quickly and too easily, in my opinion. But such is what happens when you're doing a, a 45 minute, you know, syndicated television show. Um, so I think I think I'm going to come in at around about a seven and a half, um, which I would describe as the experience of um, being about to make out and then have sex with someone you find very attractive. But then at the last minute, they come up with kind of a bullshit excuse for why you shouldn't. 
Hard. How about you, Michael? You you took you took what my I was going to describe mine as. <laughs> mine was going to be uh, popping a boner from rubbing a back, both pressing the sex button, but then realizing your kid is upstairs. Uh, <laughs> so I can't do that. Um, yeah, I uh, I like this episode a lot more than the last one uh, because it's just fun. Like I watched this and I was glued to it because I was like, this is bonkers. This is buck wild. Um, yeah. And that definitely kept me intrigued for it. Um, so I'm going to give it a 7.5 as well. Um, you know, I do think this was not a there's been a lot better episodes, but this is one of the more fun ones because of all those twists and turns. Yeah. And since Morgan took my theme, <laughs> which is just being horny, um, think of something new. Can you really say can you really say that I took that from you? Because I feel like that's been my brand this entire time is just being horny. You, you can't have more than one person on the planet once being horny. It's just not allowed. It's true. That's why that's the, why the so, the love sync buttons failed. Exactly. <laughs> Only one person would press it. The other one's like, you know, you, it, you, you did it. So I can't. Um, <laughs> so I think a 7.5 is showing up. You know, it's uh, it's your first appearance in Baywatch. And you're told you're only here for this movie. You're like, well, I got I really got I really got to act this up. And you're like, OK, this is Baywatch, the greatest show ever made. Mm-hmm. What is my plot? And they're like. Your job. Is to run on beach while your boobs bounce mm-hmm. and then look at some footprints. And she says, I think that is above my pay grade. However, I will do it and it will <laughs> feed my family. And so she does it and she feeds her family and she goes on to have a great life. And I can't verify that because I did not bother to look her up on IMDb uh, because I really did not give enough of a shit. However, I am sure she is out there somewhere having just the best life away from all of this political lifeguard bullshit, you know, just not having to deal with hex shooting guns and toxic <laughs> jellyfish and people randomly spontaneously combusting when they don't, you know, they just don't exist anymore. So they just got to explode everywhere. And not having to deal with Mitch's magnetic sexual attraction that he just gives off every time he fucking speaks. Honestly, the life is so much better outside of the beach than it is on the beach. Because true. then you're safe. And when you're on the beach, you're just not safe anymore. It's it's yeah. really a risky lifestyle. But you know what? This is a 7.5. Yeah. And with risk comes reward. And sometimes, just sometimes, your lifeguard daddy... He pops a boner. <laughs> That's a seven point five. <laughs> yep. Sometimes, sometimes you just hit that love sink. Yeah, that might be the most prolix <laughs> uh, description I've given on this show, and that's saying something. But yeah, this is also the only time we've literally taken mine. Uh, true, true. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, let's go talk about next episode, mm-hmm. which I forgot to pull up. So, all right. So, Morgan, are you ready for next episode? I sure am. So, the next episode is called 
the one that got away. Ooh. Ooh, I know, right? Um, so here is the Baywatch wiki description. A fisherman tricks new lifeguard Megan into... Oh, God. Okay, I already fucking hate this. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Hold on. Okay. Mm -hmm. A fisherman tricks new lifeguard Megan into rescuing him in order to attack and rape her. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. You can't Uh can't just say uh uh-oh like that. (laughs) (laughs) This episode is going to be hard to watch. When he continues to stalk her, Mitch has to find a way to stop him. Meanwhile, Shawnee suffers from lifeguard burnout. Eddie takes her on a romantic weekend getaway, which quickly turns passionate. Oh, boy. So now, Oh, boy. This is going to be bad. Let's talk about... Let's talk about the IMDb description. Now, what, mm-hmm. I'm going to repeat this next week, um, just mm-hmm. because, but I, I do need to to read this. Um, which is the Sandcrab277 user review on IMDb. It's our yes. good old friend Sandcrab277 from our episode Hell with Allie, yeah. uh, who yeah. talks about people not knowing how waves work. He says, I have one condition. Please never make me watch another Baywatch episode with buxom women and stupid males trying to score. It's apparent that Erica Eleniak is the hot bod and smart blonde of the show. When Pamela oh, Anderson joins later, she can't compare and even enhances Erica Erekia's chances as the all-time Baywatch babe. Uh, so that's that's what Sandcrab has to tell us. Thank you, Sandcrab. So INDB says, Megan, the Australian lifeguard and marine biologist, which I'm like, I thought Devin was the marine biologist. Anyways, is attacked by a crazed fisherman who also attacks another woman. While Megan deals with the trauma of escaping from her attacker, the psycho targets Megan and becomes determined to track her down and finish the job of killing her. Mind you, uh, I looked up the, the actress who plays Megan is actually from the UK. Anyways, <laughs> Mitch and Garner decided to set a trap for the would-be killer. Meanwhile, Eddie and Shawnee take uh, uh, take Eddie takes Shawnee away from the stress of lifeguarding to a romantic weekend alone together aboard a boat. He plans to buy at the local marina. While Harvey attempts to woo the other victim of the fisherman. Whoa, what? Oh, no. This just keeps getting worse. Oh, my God. Yeah, this is... um, This is very, very, very bad. Uh, But luckily, we get... Yeah. I I have nothing. I got nothing. We'll have to watch it and see what happens. Uh, So, Morgan... Is there anything else you'd like to say before we uh, before we drift off into the sunset? <laughs> no, I mean, you know, I, I mentioned it a little bit last episode, but it really is just wild to me that we're we've covered an entire season already and we're starting on season two. And oh, yeah, I just want to I want to thank everyone who's been listening along like it's such a. It's such a pleasure to know that us us bullshitting about Baywatch <laughs> is a thing that people want to listen to. It is crazy. Uh, and also the fact that other people want to be on our podcast as well, which, yeah, spoilers, we have quite a few guests this season. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like. Why the fuck are you listening to it? <laughs> <laughs> OK, you're the one who likes the fans now. I'm the one who hates them. 
All right. Sounds good to me. In the in the vein of liking the fans, I just want to say thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Baywatch Rookie School. If you want to find us on Twitter, our show handle is at Rookie School Pod. I'm at Morgan P. Thrapp. I am at Snotsnit, S-N-O-T-S-N-I-T. We'll see you next week. And just remember, hips, lips, and fingertips. Oh, we're still doing that. Oh. <laughs>